This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Advantages Digital Learning Solutions, where learning is reimagined. I'd like to introduce to our guest today. We have with us Amy Buckley. She is the founder of Study Help Inc. and she is a veteran public school teacher. Amy, welcome to our podcast. Why don't you do a a more in-depth introduction of yourself? Okay. So I have been teaching since 1996. So a few years, I've got a few years (laughs) under my belt. Um, I started working in a non-public school for children that had severe severe emotional difficulties, Mm -hmm. Um, kids who had suffered from abuse and neglect. And um, that's where I started. And They actually, I started working there because I thought I was going to become a therapist. Mm -hmm. And I quickly learned that I really love teaching. And they actually paid for me to go get my credential. Fantastic. So I taught on a emergency credential for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then my husband asked me to please change (laughs) schools (laughs) because working with children that had such dire experiences in life. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of days when I would come home and, you know, I'd just be in tears. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I put in my time there and what I could say is that everybody I worked with, at that site were amazing, amazing human beings. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot Mm -hmm. from my peers there. And then I got a job working um, in a special day class at a local high school. And my classroom was basically built the summer before I moved into it. So I know every stain I know, I know everything in that classroom. I tell you, if they ever made me change classrooms, I might quit because like, you know, it's like I'm embedded. That's your home away from home. That's my home. And um, about two years ago, a friend of mine came to me and said, hey, what do you think about starting an online tutoring platform? And I thought, you know. If there wasn't a better time, I don't know. And I had, well, I had all these friends that had jobs working, second jobs for florists or at grocery stores or scooping ice cream. And not that there's anything wrong with those jobs, but that's not, I mean, these people have like master's degrees. Right, right. This is what they're you know, needing to do to make ends meet. And it just seemed crazy because I know all these students and families that are desperate for extra help. Here I can connect credentialed teachers. You're not like, it's not a high school student helping your child. This is someone who is a professional, knows pedagogy, knows how to help children. And why not connect these people together and talk about a win-win. So So how long ago did you start that? So we did our beta in August of 2020. 
Oh, okay. So right in the heart of it. Yes. And we formally launched January 2021. Mm-hmm. So we've been just about a year and I've learned a lot in that amount of time about running a business because I've always been in education and man, I know that part mm-hmm. down, right? And um, the business aspects were a little bit more challenging, but what I have really loved is that all my families are so appreciative mm-hmm. of the service that we provide, which, you know, you don't always get that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm very lucky. My families where I work generally really, really love me. So I don't get too many of the nasty stuff that happens <laughs> to a lot of teachers, but um you know, I, I love all the positives that mm-hmm. families are so appreciative. And, you know, I mean, why why do we do what we do is because we we love these kids and we want to see them right. grow up to be successful adults. So right. when we see that growth. It's such a such a great intrinsic joy that it. Right. Brings. Absolutely. And Amy, you have such a passion, too. So it's it's in you. And then to help that gift just keep growing and growing, that's mm-hmm. wonderful for not only your community, but for the, the opportunities that you're building out. That's wonderful for your teachers, for your tutor ease as well. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting to have that passion just kind of have another realm too. So congratulations. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm really struck by the fact that you are a female and you started your own company. Here at Learning Reimagined, we really, we just celebrate the female leaders and our company was based, started from three women as well with just like you, just an education background. We hadn't started our own company ever before, hadn't been a part of that. We worked in the education field. So it's, it's you really struck a note with me with your background there. So I, I love that. I, I, you have that very, that cool entrepreneurial spirit, which we celebrate. I love it. Uh, but now, as as with your academic background, we really like to help our listeners and give them some sort of just give them tools, practical tips to help them with their with their kids at home. Mm-hmm. Most of our listeners are parents of students ages um, kindergarten through twelfth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do our twelfth grade. Excuse me. We do have quite a bit of uh, families with their students getting ready to launch into college. So we do spend a lot of time talking about the college application process and whatnot. Um, but I would really like to talk to you more about how do you best support? And uh, you mentioned you just finished an IEP today. Mm-hmm. What is an IEP for our listeners? And what does that really entail? And what can parents with students who have IEPs, what can they be doing to support their kids? So an IEP, there's a lot of questions in there. I'll try and make sure I hit all of them. <laughs> I want to get, just get them all out there. <laughs> So an IEP is an individualized education plan, and every student who has special education services has to have an IEP. They are reviewed annually. So annually, we go through the goals, we go through the services. For me, because I teach high school, we talk about the transition plan, which is what's going to happen after high school. And because I teach special ed, I talked to them about, in California, we have Department of Rehabilitation, which 
is such a misnomer because basically Department of Rehabilitation helps young people, older people <laughs> who have special needs, get a job, maintain a job. They will pay for college up to the state level. So if a student graduates with an IEP, they become a client. They're called a client of the Department of Rehab. And as long as they remain in good standing at a junior college or Cal State, Department of Rehab pays for that. And they pay for books. They pay if you were in an apprentice program, let's say you're in an apprentice program um, and you needed steel toe boots as part of the apprentice program, they will sure. pay for that. Um, they also help with resumes. They do practice interviews with their clients. So their job is to help with the work aspect post high school. Amy, I, I'm so impressed with how many opportunities there are for these families. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate you sharing this because oftentimes we, we know sort of what the IEP is from a parent perspective, but getting that in-depth view and, and the longitudinal quality uh, benefits of that, that's right. pretty amazing. So thank you for sharing those. I had so many benefits. So, I didn't know that department existed within um, California. I taught in California for about 10 years and I taught Title I. So I was very much a part of those types of meetings throughout my, my tenure there. And I didn't know about that. That's fantastic. They're such great resources. You know, it's not something they teach you when you go to school to get your credential. Mm -hmm. no. <laughs> There's a lot of things that you have to learn on your own, which is why yeah. it's so important to take care of our veteran teachers because they just know things that new teachers don't know. Right. I, I look back at myself when I was a new teacher and let me tell you, I've always been a passionate teacher, but if I compare what I know now to then, it's like sure. exponential, right? Well, and having right. said that, Amy, our teachers these last two years have had so, so much put on their plate and they've had to pivot depending mm -hmm. on what district they're in and what, what are, what's some feedback or what's some suggestions that you might have for these teachers that like, how do they stay afloat <laughs> and, and try to maintain this, this passion for their teaching as they are not sure of what's to come tomorrow? Like, yeah. What do you recommend? I feel that so much. You know, I have study help, which has been such a great resource for me in terms of my mental health, because it's been such a positive resource for everyone. I know that mm -hmm. at the beginning of the school year, I really was like, I think this is it for me in terms of being in the classroom, because I was just so burnt out last year, virtual for so long. And then I had half and half. And so I would tell my students that, you know, this is like the Ellen DeGeneres show where I've got my in-studio viewers and my at-home viewers. <laughs> I love it. And a lot of times I would go off camera and I didn't realize it. And I'd say, ah, why did you guys tell me that you can't see me anymore? But I think what, what was making it so difficult was I didn't have that connection with my 
peers Mm -hmm. because we didn't have lunch together. It wasn't like there was time to discuss how we were doing. And I mean, there was text messages, but it wasn't like, you know, being in California, I'm very lucky because we sit outside every day at lunch. We have our teacher table and, you know, we sit there in the sun, rain, whatever, but we have time together. And as the year progressed, I started to feel less and less like oh, this is my last year. And I would say that it had a lot to do with my fellow teachers mm-hmm. and that camaraderie that sure. we had. And I know for me, I also had some really bad mornings where, you know, you get the emails from like your administrator, your district, and you're like, you know, I'm face turned red and been texting my husband. I might get fired today because I was like so irritated. (laughs) But then my students would walk in and they were so happy to see me and wanted to tell me about, you know, their dog and their anime and this and this talk about this basketball game, what have you. And it just, just really changed my demeanor. So I really appreciate my students for that is the fact that they bring me a lot of joy. Of course, they also bring me frustration. I'm, you know, I'm a normal teacher. (laughs) I don't, (laughs) I don't, I, I have my moments where I get really irritated, but I think in general, they, they bring me a lot of happiness and I see their growth and that, that really feeds my soul. It's important. Um, we do a lot of talking about building that community and having that, mm-hmm. you know, that that connection and and how much so much so much of it was lost during COVID and doing everything on Zoom. And so how it is so important to have a sense of community. And so I, I, I'm glad that you feel that within your own classroom too. It just really keeps us all going. Mm-hmm. It really does. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about to give some of our our parents some like practical ideas and tips what can they do as parents let's just take out our you know our elementary school parents um how can they help their child succeed academically what are some practical things they can be doing as you know in the home or Mm -hmm. what have you so there are so many things that you can do around the house that are academic based but not but they're kind of sneaky yeah, right. We know. We like that. We like that. Right. Covert, covert learning. Uh-huh. <laughs> Obviously, reading, but I'm sure you've talked about that. Um, so, right after I speak with you, I'm going to be tutoring my my niece who's in first grade, who, on a family trip, asked me to tutor her. Wow! Going into first grade. I know. I was so impressed. I was, I told her mom, I said, you know what? I don't care. We're doing this. Nice. This kid asked me, we're doing this. So we've gotten her to the point reading wise from just practicing every day where just, I've seen exponential growth for her. And now we're going to start on the writing process So I sent her, she's in another state. I sent her a journal and it's a communication journal because her writing needs to be worked on. So she'll write in it 
And then she's going to give it to someone like her mom or her dad and her sister, and they have to write her back. Oh, I love that. So it's Mm -hmm. interactive. It's interactive and kids love this. I do this in my classroom. I've done it since I started. It was one of the, the best ideas ever that I ever read about. Even my seniors in high school, yes. like in the beginning of the year, their journal entries were very, meh, you know, they were kind yeah. of minimal, whatever to like do the assignment, right? right. But now... They are so much more expansive. They're telling me all kinds of stuff. They are (laughs) descriptive because I respond to them. And so it has become a form of communication where they don't have to say it in words. They can write it down. So there's some safety in that, right? Because they're not looking at me face to face and they know I'm going to respond. They don't have to wait their turn to talk to me. It's a way that they're guaranteed that I'm going to hear what they have to say. And, you know, a lot of times it's things like, um, like I had a, I have a student who went through where a friend died. And so she has been kind of depressed and, and not really engaged socially. And she went to a party And she talked about that in her journal about, you know, stepping out of her comfort zone and how she had this great time. And I don't know that we would have had that conversation just randomly in the classroom because it doesn't fit with the rest of the curriculum. But it was a really nice opportunity for her to tell me what was going on and for me to encourage that. Right. I'm so glad that you went. What a great job stepping out of your comfort zone, you know. So I just think it's a really good opportunity. And Amy, it just really it it shows so much that the students feel safe enough. And so you see that growth happen from those Mm -hmm. beginning entries to then being much more personalized. And you wear so many hats. Not only are you a teacher, but you're, like you said, you're you're a mentor and you're a counselor as well. (laughs) I mean, you kind of do it all. (laughs) So it is how rewarding to have those students respond that way. Mm -hmm. But that's a great idea. I love those those suggestions. I think they can be implemented even at home. Mm -hmm. And it just gets kids writing. Right. Yeah. And and they think a little bit more about what they're writing in terms of making it clear, concise, cogent, because they know someone's going to read it and respond to it. It's not like they're just going to read it and check off, okay, you wrote the sentence. Sure. They're going to read it and respond to it. Mm-hmm. So they're they work harder to make it readable. Mm-hmm. That's nice. I I remember when my daughter became a teenager, I was so afraid of connection that we have. And I bought her a mother journal and it was a journal that she could write in and then she would leave it for me. And then I could respond to it, write to her and leave it for her. And it was a way she can ask me awkward questions or just express herself as she's growing up and having these thoughts or these experiences 
without having to really look me in the eye and tell me things or, you know, it helped with the embarrassment, but it was just, it kept lines of communication open, but it also kept her writing and really just took, she, she loves to write. So it really just honed in on that um, love of learning for her as well. So um, there's a few things out there that parents can really do for these, the teens, especially where the communication gets tough. So having writing where, you know, someone's going to respond is it's like, that's a great thing. Keeps everybody accountable. (laughs) Now, what if, um, what if you feel like your student is struggling? What are some things that as parents we should be doing or looking out for, for those, for those types of situations? So when a student is struggling, I think the most important aspect of helping them Mm -hmm. is not getting emotional ourselves. And that's tough for parents. It's so tough. I know. (laughs) Believe me. I know. I've had my moment as a parent Mm -hmm. before many times still. My daughter's 21. (laughs) You know, I still I still have those moments where I just have to take a breath Mm -hmm. and a moment before I respond so that I can make sure that she can hear what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. and knows that I'm there to help her mm-hmm. because I think that's the most important thing for our children is that they know that we're going to help them not do it for them, but support them in their growth. Mm-hmm. And I know that parents have a million things going on. Mm-hmm. You know, the cat just puked. The kids at the dinner table trying to do their math. You're cooking dinner. It's really easy to get emotions raised, but that just makes it so much worse because then the child is afraid. They're afraid to address the issue. They're afraid to ask you questions. And it just creates this cycle where when they sit down to do that, whatever it is, math, reading, they get anxious. Yeah. Right. So then the process takes so much longer than yeah. it would have if we approached it in a calm, meaningful manner. Yeah. And, and maybe it's like you said, whether, you know, your 21 year old daughter or their six, mm-hmm. there is that <laughs> that anxiety. It's just it's so relatable. So just mm-hmm. helping parents remind them to just take a breath before they and as parents we always just we want to fix things Mm -hmm. and so i the the emotion absolutely like there can't be anything wrong let me fix it we can make this better but we can't always fix that so we do just need to pay attention um but how can parents ensure that their child is getting adequate support from the school system when they have a disability Mm -hmm. or any type of um, learning hindrances you know i'm going to be honest with you it's tough Because school districts have a limited budget Mm -hmm. and services don't always go where they're needed the most. They go to the squeakiest wheels, Mm -hmm. as my mom would say. Um, I know that districts would like to support all students to their best of their ability, but, you know, there's a budget. Mm -hmm. So as a teacher myself, I do a lot of advocating for my students. 
But especially right now, there's a lot of brand new teachers. There's a lot of classrooms that have long-term subs. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of classrooms that are not taught by a, a teacher who is credentialed in special education. Maybe they're working right. on their credential. And they don't have your expertise and your knowledge to share. Mm -hmm. And I think in, in those situations, really talking to other families mm -hmm. that have students with special needs. Mm -hmm. If you're, you know, in a school like my school where the other STC teacher, I mean, it's been a revolving door for the last eight years because the pool is very shallow. So that's awful. I've always let parents know that they can always reach out to me, even though I'm not their child's case manager. Of course, I'm going to answer any question they have mm -hmm. um, and tell them what they can do to get the services they need. I just can't do it for them because I'm not their case manager, but of course, I'm going to help them. Certainly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, through steady help, about half of our kids have special needs. And the other half are like the AP honor students. It's kind of funny. <laughs> right. Um, but in that arena, I can also help parents because a lot of my teachers on study help are special ed teachers. Mm -hmm. And so they can support the parents with what they need to know and they can help work on different goals in their sessions that they have with the teacher. And, you know, I know the best teachers. So <laughs> I'm very, I'm very lucky that I know all these wonderful teachers. So, but what can, what can families do who aren't a part of study help? What can they, what, what are some practical things for our listeners out there that they can be doing? Mm -hmm. So, like I said, talk to fellow okay. parents, most areas have like a Facebook group for like, Whatever your city is, you know, Pleasanton, parents of kids with special needs. Okay. Those, that's a really good resource for parents. Okay. Um, honestly, I think that's one of the best resources. Just other parents. Mm -hmm, other parents. Who've been through it. Know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I found that special need parents are very, very willing to help other special needs parents because... That's how they got help. So they pass it along. But yeah, I would say that's the number one thing. And I, and like I said, the squeaky wheel gets yeah. the oil. So, you know, I'm not saying that you complain long enough, you're going to get what you need. But, um, <laughs> but if you complain long enough, you're going to get what you need. <laughs> I'll say it for you. <laughs> if you talk to the right people and you right. keep pushing, mm -hmm. hopefully you will get what you need. And, you know, sometimes what parents think they need and what their child actually needs is not the same thing. Sure. So I, I would also say be open to what professionals like myself are telling the parent. Mm -hmm. So for example, you know, have a, my students are really, some are diploma, some aren't. Mm -hmm. And you don't want your child to get a diploma. If that really doesn't mean anything because mm -hmm. there are many services that you cannot access if your child has a diploma. 
because that you are you kidding? Well, because there's paperwork that you bring and they say, well, your child is too high to get these services. They don't need them. They have a diploma. Wow. So, you know, the standard thing that everyone talks about is, oh, diploma, diploma. That's the gold standard. It is not. You need to know what your child needs. If they need services after that are pretty extensive, you want them to have access to social security benefits, um, different things through regional center. There's a lot of um, transition programs at different colleges where if you do not have a diploma, it is free. If you do have a diploma. This is fascinating to me. I have never heard this. Where would parents of special ed students find these types of things? Like, where would you learn about that? Who would, within the school system, do they know? You need someone like me. Okay. I mean, I'm going to be honest. If you have teachers that don't really know, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be helpful. And your administrators are not going to tell you this because the district wants to have that super high graduation rate because that looks good, right? Right. Right. that's how you sell houses in the area and your taxes go up and all that. Everyone wants to live in these areas, but a diploma for a special needs kids, you need to know what they need after high school okay. and getting a diploma. If you are homeless and don't have a job is not very helpful. It would be better to not have a diploma and have access to housing, supported work, where you work. I mean, you've probably seen quite a few special needs people at places like grocery stores, Uh right? They're bagging your groceries. Um, So there's different programs that support those individuals to help them have a job, And they have supported living environments where it's like an apartment, but you have people who come in to make sure that, you know, you're safe and maybe you have a roommate who also has special needs. So, you know, there's a lot of things that people don't realize that I think it's really important for parents to know. I'm so glad you brought that up, Amy. That's really, really helpful for parents. And like you said, I think the best resources are those other parents mm-hmm. that have gone through this before you. So um, as, as we wrap up, what, what fills your cup as you give and give throughout the day and into the evening? <laughs> How do you energize yourself? I, I now know you're a mom, you're a business owner, you are an amazing teacher. What how do you energize yourself? You know, I'm a mom, I'm a teacher, I'm a business owner. I also have studied martial arts for 25 years. And that is a big stress release for me. And so having that practice, being able to just go in my backyard, do some Tai Chi, kind of recenter myself, knowing how to take my energy down or build it up, I think has been, yeah, has been a really 
really great. You know, people always ask me, oh, you've been doing Kung Fu. Have you ever had to use it? And I say, I use it every day. Every day I use it. Nice. The discipline and the mindset. Mm -hmm. I think the mindset. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's wonderful. Well, Amy, thank you so much. We are going to, for all of our listeners out there, if you have more questions for Amy or would like to get in touch with her, we will put her contact information up with um, on our social media. So feel free to reach out to Amy. And Amy, we would just we would like to join. Uh, thank you for joining us here at Learning Reimagined. You've been very insightful. I've learned a lot. Thank, thank you, you so Amy. much. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, thank you absolutely. so much. You have a thank great you. day. Thank you so much for listening to Learning Reimagined. If you are enjoying this podcast, please help us spread the word by clicking the subscribe button or share your favorite episodes with families and friends. And leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts.